Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the Optimum Drive podcast presented by TFL. Uh, in this podcast, we're going to continue my conversation I had with the great driver and great friend Tanner Faust, and we're catching up with him basically on everything Tanner has done and sort of led him to the point of where he has this incredible career as a professional driver that's done just about everything from Formula Drift to hopping in Formula One cars to racing in Extreme E currently. So let's jump back in and uh, figure out where this Tanner Faust story goes. So we're, so okay. we're doing perfect days. We're drifting M5s. Um, you're, what, do, what do you do in motorsports-wise at that, at that point? You're just starting to get into drifting. Take yeah, I just started getting into drifting, still rallying. I think I got a production GT championship in 2005. And then 2006 is when um, the X Games included rally for the first time mm -hmm. and that's when i started my relationship with rockstar which lasted 18 years and that was uh i raced on the subaru team um my teammates were travis pastrana ken block and colin mccray and colin mccray was one of the yeah it was like a it was like a jump i mean i knew travis who he was i i didn't really know ken that well he was more at that point he had just sold dc shoes and he was thinking about getting into car stuff. So he, he wasn't, you know, who we all know him um, to be now, but the, uh, but Colin was certainly larger than life for all of us. Nobody could believe Amazing. he was coming to the States. Yeah. 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 He'd only been to the States one time before 1985 for some race, but it, he, you know, it was legendary that he was showing up. I got to ride around with him in, uh, at the test days. Oh, and I learned so much in 2.2 miles. I mean, it was, it was awesome. And he loved talking, driving and talking, giving me tips and this and that. And, and he, he kept a blog on, on his, uh, on his website at that time, just to date how long ago this was. And he, he mentioned our time hanging out in the blog, which was a big highlight for me at that time to get a mention from Colin. But, um, I took him drifting. Actually, I was doing a show with, uh, um hulk hogan i think when they were shooting that reality show and i took a car to give his son who wanted to get nick hogan who wanted to get in drifting i took my car over there to give him some tips and i took colin with me and he drove he drifted irwindale and uh met actually he asked me what do i call him do i call him terry or mr hogan or hulk 
I, you know, I don't know what to call them. I, I thought that was funny. I never thought about that. But yeah, yeah. yeah good question. I usually don't even say talk to them. But um, yeah, so but X Games started a role of Rockstar relationship. Um, Rockstar was a rapidly growing company and they um, had no motorsports, anything. And uh, so they they stuck with me, though, for 18 years even though all they wanted to do was get a Lamborghini with a big rock star on the side. And I'd say, Hey guys, I got this new sport rally cross. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be awesome. They'd be like, okay, cool. We're down. What do, do you drive? Like a, what a Lamborghini or is it a Porsche? I was like, no, it's a Ford Fiesta, but um, to trust me, it's going to be real fast. And they were like, hated it, but they did it. And then it's like, Hey guys, I'm switching teams. And I'm like, sweet Lamborghini. Nope. We're going to be driving a beetle. for most <laughs> And they were just like, I got great news. Yeah. <laughs> Iconic car from the 60s. Oh, Lamborghini, Ferrari. Yeah. No Beetle. Yeah. <laughs> they were a great partner because they were so, so small. There were only six employees at Rockstar when, when I started with them. And then uh, they sold 15 years later for $4 billion. Wow. And uh, it, it was really fascinating to watch the company go through that whole process. But for us, they, uh, you know, my value for them was, was connecting them with manufacturers, I believe. Um, they, they got more play with, you know, marketing campaigns from Ford and marketing campaigns from Volkswagen who spent big money that Rockstar never spent, um, that, it, that it covered anything that we could spend racing-wise. Um, so that that turned out to be a good relationship for a long time, but but yeah, 2006 that was that's when that started. Right, right. And so you did all of the, I mean, rally cross through all the X Games. I remember coming to that like the LA Coliseum stuff, and then you know, and then it ends up uh, downtown LA. Uh, I'm doing commentating sometimes, coming around and helping you out here and there, corner spotting for you or whatever it is, or just chatting and. Um, I think it goes to Austin, to Texas. I remember uh, all that too. They had the X Games there. I was yep. just in. I just came back from a few days ago, and I'm always in that stadium section. I was showing. I'm like, this is where X Games was back in the day, sort of when uh, when Coda was was brand new as a as a track. Yes. Um, so yeah, and, and yeah. of course, you end up with with um, man, oh man, just that's when things. I mean, you really hit your stride. I think when it came to just the obviously you had great success in drifting and you kind of continued to drift more in like a one-off thing but it was rallycross that i don't know was was do you, do you say you're were more passionate about rallycross or it's just where the money was what do you what do you say about uh, like sort of that era of your life it wasn't i didn't think it was going to be where the money was necessarily it's just that drifting drifting I, I became professional drifting yeah. like with drifting uh i could i could get money to do stuff with cars got money to drive um if you opened up any of those kind of lifestyle magazines the um sport compact car any of that stuff our car was always in one of the ads you know our partner you learn to network a bit in drifting and really kind of um but but Learn more, I think, about sponsorship because uh, drifting was a lifestyle sport mm -hmm. to big companies like Ford and and Toyota, um, and so you got their marketing budget 
to tap into, not their motorsport budget. And so the motorsport budget, of course, as you know, is just a drop in the bucket to the marketing budget. And so we we had so much more, you know, we could influence a brand by lowering its mean demographic age. We could make the average buyer younger. We could do big things about changing the image of the brand, not just saying they like to do cool stuff in racing. And um, so that that's that's what I learned from drifting, but I didn't like the judged factor. I, I didn't like that there wasn't a clock. I didn't like that you you sometimes felt like you did it right, but you didn't get the result out of it. And with rally cross, at least you had a clock. I I know now that all motorsport is judged on some level, but um, there's uh, at least you had a clock to go against, and you got instant gratification if you were doing something right, and in instant learning if you were doing something wrong. Right. And so um, I saw a video of Marcus Grunholm doing a, a rally cross race in Sweden. It looked like the freaking most fun thing ever in a car that time uh for branding sake i really tried to have a story to tell for sponsors i was with ford at that time i just left toyota and the story that i found and it's the way i dropped drew passion out of my own uh i i the way that i came up with the um kept interest in something really was to sort of have a mantra or, or, you know, something to stick to because, you know, it'd been a lot of years of doing, of doing the same industry. But um, for me, it was keep driving fun, right? So that, that's what I was into. I was anything fun driving. Top Gear came out. Top Gear was a show that just showcased the fun factor of motorsport. Drifting was fun. Uh, Rallycross, I thought, was the most fun thing you could do with a car. I mean, you jumped, you yeah. slid, you had drag racing, you pushed other cars. You wheel the wheel, yeah. Oh, it was like a video game and very much like, you know, those video games that were coming out at the time, Dirt 2 and Dirt 3, stuff like that. It was like a video game for real. And so I just love talking about the fun that attached to Ford. They loved the fact that the Fiesta was seen as this fun thing and they had to sell two million of them. So they um, bought into it. And then we did the U.S. championship and the European championship simultaneously. And it was a busy, busy decade, really. Yeah, yeah, it was an amazing racing and, you know, rallycross, like you said, it was just sort of like everything you wanted um, in, in, a, in a sport where it was just this intense wheel to wheel, uh, fender to fender racing where you're leaning on each other, short heats, easy to understand, um, lots of big names in there with, with Travis and Ken and um, Deegan and all those guys that were in that series you had the Europeans with Marcus coming over. Um, yeah, it was it, it, that was an amazing time for sure, and and such a great championship. Um, and and meantime, meanwhile, like you mentioned, Top Gear. Obviously, we did that together. Um, in a, in a, even though you know we didn't really get to talk about that, and it's always my experiences with with Top Gear and and getting to be the Stig, and you know, start with that ridiculous tryout you you put me through. Uh, at El Toro, <laughs> where <laughs> I had no idea what was going on, <laughs> and, uh, and it was, you know, you had this little one-hour slot where I show up, and you know, you're like a really good friend. But when I met you there, you like didn't act like a friend. You're like, get in the car, we got to do this. I can't show any favoritism, and you give me this ridiculous lap in a Mazda Speed Three. I think completely sideways. You're just slinging the thing around on this course that 
I, I, it was going by so quickly and I'm trying to like understand what's happening and sort of catch up with you. And then we get back to the start line and you're go, you go get in that Mustang and do a lap. And I'm like, I, what? <laughs> like, I, don't even, <laughs> I don't even know where the first turn goes, you know? And uh, you're like, well, everyone's got to do the same thing. You've got to get in and do a lap. And so I, yeah. I, get, I jump in that Mustang and do a lap and I get a little lost and come back and you're kind of like shaking your head. Like you're like, no, that wasn't very good. And, um, and then somehow I get in the Aston Martin next and somehow I do a clean lap in the Aston Martin that lands me the job. <laughs> and um, that was kind of crazy. I always wanted to hear your perspective on all that because that's my perspective. It was like I had an hour and I got to do two laps in a car after a crazy ride around with you. And then I get a call back two weeks later saying I got the gig, which was amazing. My perspective, I think you all you had you always had it from the beginning. But ah, that's yeah. a bit of a revelation. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think I think you always had it. I think for them, they were thinking money. So they were thinking look, whoever it is, they need to fit in your driving suit because they were thinking that I was going to do half the stig stuff right. because I was there anyway. And then they wouldn't have to pay flights and pay somebody else to show up. Um, it quickly became evident that that was not physically possible um, since, you know, for a lot of reasons. But the uh, so that was one thing and uh, which we fit in the same driving suit. And then uh they, I think they had the tryout as a matter of insurance or safety or whatever. For me, I think you had it from the beginning. So it would have been so, nice if you had said that. <laughs> I didn't think, it, was, you know. This was 2007-ish, it must have been. So he's telling me that now. It's just, really, <laughs> he's never said that. You know, I felt like I still had a debt. You didn't fire me after I got super drunk at Tokyo Dells dancing on the table. <laughs> so I was like, yeah, I mean, this is all just a, he must assume he's got the gig, right? No. No. Apparently not. Apparently yeah. not. No. Yeah. Well, I, I was told there were like a bunch of people that came and did this tryout and they all had, you know, this one hour slot. And there so, were. Yeah. Yeah. There were. I, I don't remember a single one, to be honest. I can't remember a single <laughs> one. <laughs> I, that's another thing I always wanted to ask you. Maybe like maybe like Ryan Center would know or something like who, he, who the other guys were, because that, that's something I get asked all the time. And I'm like, I don't I know. Bet, I was there for an hour. So I don't I didn't. I meet. bet Center would. He probably brought a couple guys of his own that work that he'd worked with. Nah, he hadn't done. He had done some car shows. Um, I mean, for sure, you know, ACP would have wanted it, but we, we were not anywhere close to fitting in the same driving suit. Um, I yeah, I can't think of a single, <laughs> my story got so much. Sorry. <laughs> <to> just, yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Tanner. I mean, uh, let's see. Isn't no, that you, the joke we used to tell? They were so far. Your lap times were in another world compared to all those other guys. I mean, we just had, and and they had to go back to their IMSA rides and their yeah exactly. You know, their, all right, their, there we go. Their, yeah, I, I, had to, I had to fish and beg for a little bit, but you came through in the end. <laughs> hey, I do remember. So it was so there were a couple of things that are, and you can add all you want about any of this, but here's like my 
my recollection was like, you know, I'm off by myself all the time dealing with coked up David Hasselhoff or whatever it happens to be, or driving yeah. some car and and I'm in a minivan in the corner of the some track somewhere. And you're literally the only guy I can talk to because you're the only guy that knew who I was. And so it yes. was like, like my, it was like lunchtime finally broke for lunch. And I would get to talk to my first human being that day. And it would be you showing up and you're like, how's it going? And I'm like, uh, I bought a couple of movies off Amazon. I've been doing push-ups and sit-ups all day. Um, that's yeah, that's right. Am I, I mean, they had you staying at a, they had you staying at a different hotel. Different hotel. You had, Assume name. You sat in a rental car off in the distance there with the air yeah. conditioning running. You had to put the helmet on anytime somebody came close or you had a trailer or something. Yeah. I mean, they took it really seriously. And the other two hosts, Adam and Rutledge, were so pissed. They just thought they were being treated like three-year-olds that they couldn't. Oh, like we can't keep a secret. Oh, my God. They won't even tell us. Blah, blah, blah. And then so finally, to make them happy, they're like, okay. Hessling, John Hessling was like, look, it's not a big deal. We believe you can keep us here. He, I'm not going to copy his British accent, but he was all in a British accent. And he'd say, oh, yeah, if you you can meet the stick. We're going to have a formal meeting with the stick and everything. And they'd be like, you know what? That's fine. Nope. No, thank you. We don't even want to know now. <laughs> that was it. They were so like, bitter. literally like four so years bitter. Yeah, it was hilarious. And, and I think they realized that it made it more fun. It did. Yeah, that it that they didn't know because it was genuine. They would shake your hand. They would try to get you to say something. Yeah, yeah. And then they would talk about how I think he's got an accent. I think I, I think I could. Well, tell I did. Him. You know, I used that bad Italian accent I stole from Valentino Rossi trying to speak English. Oh my gosh! So that's... Like, oh, the car it it uh, not to handle so well. Maybe um, too much understeer. Wow! Please never do that again. <laughs> <laughs> I remember doing that to like John Hennessy. Like anyone that would show up who I knew, yeah. I broke out that awesome accent. Wow. I know. That's I know. funny. It's, you know, I was, I was like under pressure and I had to come up with something in the moment. I'm like, yeah. I, I, and you, I was just afraid that if I just used my voice, they, he'd be like, oh, like that. Yeah, you know? exactly. And that yeah. first year you had a lot of pressure because that first season where we had the big star small car thing yeah. you'd have to coach them all up and and we did a full season of that stuff later we just you just have to come in to race the cars every so yeah. often you yeah. didn't have to interact with somebody you know but yeah. it's um good times for sure and i remember okay so here's here's like the best tanner paul ver version of or or maybe our rivalry or whatever but the one time i didn't wear the suit because I did end up doing all the stick stuff. Tanner shows up in his rallycross car, and I'm not sure whether it was his idea or the sponsor's idea. Like, he's driving the car for the lap. And yes. The, and, and, the, and so I have to sit there in my minivan. Let's imagine I'm like a naked mole rat because you took my suit. So I'm over there. In, <laughs> I'm over there in the van while you do a lap. Yeah. Wearing my suit. And yes. Damn it, you break the track record in your rallycross car. <laughs> oh, I wasn't mad. <laughs> I wasn't so I did not realize the bitterness. What year did you oh, say yeah. that was? 2008. Who's whose damn track was that, Tanner? Who laid it out? Who put in all the work? Who whose track was it? Sure. Okay. <laughs> you came up with the track. I just broke the record. <laughs> 
that's it's not that big a deal let's let it go <laughs> no it was a uh i want to that that was an andreas thing you know because it was andreas erickson's car that's a good answer and he, he was lending it for free mm. so his thing was that yeah that i'd have to drive it yeah sorry i wanted you to drive it i wanted you to feel that thing launch it was a ridiculous car it was terrible on the road course. And the, and the best part about this story, of course, is someone about a year or a season or two later shows up in a turbocharged aerial atom. And I'm like, this is my shot to get my track record back. I had no idea that this whole little vengeance bubbling. thing was cooking. Bubbling. Oh, for the Brewing. <laughs> Boiling. <laughs> yeah. Did you break it? I did. Okay. I did, and you that knew about it because you were mad. I remember at the moment you were like, "I saw that thing launch, and I knew it was done." It was I yeah. Think, well, well, it weighed nothing. It weighed like fourteen hundred pounds. Yeah. I mean, give me a break. Give me a break. Like I should have broke it by a lot more. I know what you're implying right now, but I got it. <laughs> it was, it was good. I liked that. I liked that. I mean, it, it was a busy time. Top Gear was a busy time because it was 150 days of filming, plus racing a full championship in Europe and a full championship here. Plus, I just had a daughter. So there was it was a busy, busy time. But so you and I didn't really talk much out of Top Gear. We talk on the phone every so often. But then the only time I you just sometimes and I didn't really know sometimes what we were shooting that day or what cars we were yeah. going to be picking or whatever yeah and I'd show up and I'd see the van I'd be like oh Stig's here and then I I wouldn't even know you were going to be there sometimes and so I'd yeah. cruise out there so it was always nice but um the uh but yeah that was that was, we had a lot of fun on those shoots for sure sure did I'd like we should we should do one with all of us together and they I would love to hear how bitter they are because I bet it comes <laughs> so you need to you need to promise me we'll all four of us do do a podcast together i don't care if it's mine let's do one okay we'll do i'm this, down we can just pull the band-aid off really quick we talked happens. about we talked about getting the band back together for at least like a lemons race or something like yeah. that we did a lemons race together i'm the only one that drove the car though because i blew it up <laughs> you want to hear this, the backstory on that one yeah 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 I had already booked a flight on Sunday and we were supposed not to sound like a high maintenance bitch, but <laughs> we were supposed to shoot it Saturday and then be done. And they sort of changed the plan. And, and me flying back wasn't to go to a spa day or something. It was to go to a, a sponsor event or something that was on the calendar that I couldn't move. Um, and they showed up with the car and they're like, yeah, we're going to shoot this on Saturday and we're going to shoot this on Sunday. And, um, I think I did a stint in the car for filming and then they said, okay, now, you know, Stig's going to do his deal. And he's like, how long is he in the car? And they're like, oh, he's going to do a full tank of gas. I was like, we're good. That's fine. <laughs> that thing's never going to make it past freaking 40 minutes. It was, it was less than that. Yeah. Sure enough. I mean, you came through there just, oh, just shattering the thing to pieces i think it had like a lemon stand maybe that was off by then or not <laughs> it was gone yeah either way you were hauling ass i saw a couple times you come by and i was just like 
and and they're like, yeah, Tanner, we really have a problem with flight. He's like, yeah, we don't. Let's just see what happens. Yeah. Let's just see what happens. You know what? <laughs> and I like went right back from being, you know, high maintenance needed to get out of there. And just to realizing that it was all just going to work out. And sure enough, you blew the shit out of that thing. Destroyed, <laughs> just grenaded the engine. <laughs> and then the funny and part Alan was. Both, yeah. Go, go ahead. What was well, they both looked at me. They knew because I told them. It's like, this thing's never making it to me. Trust me. And they both looked at me. They're like, oh, my God. That was pretty funny. I, they tried to talk to me like I blew the engine up like through turn one and I pulled it off driver's left turn two at Sonoma at Sears Point and the corner workers of course come up and they they want to talk to me and I'm like I can't talk to anybody so I just I just walked away <laughs> I just like I just left the car and I just walked back to the garage and then and then just uh, lo they lowered the garage door and I they were like we need to talk to him they're like no you don't get to talk to him <laughs> you don't get to we'll send in this consigliere yeah, exactly. Done. <laughs> that was that was really 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 funny and yeah just grenaded that thing and oh my god you know how to book flights and hotels all you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive that's why you need viator book guided tours activities excursions and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. And there's yeah. so many different things that we did, you know, driving, you know, I remember driving trucks and vans and jumping stuff and. Oh, yeah. Just so by the way, they, they, to this day, the producers think that I made a deal with you to blow that car up <laughs> because of that travel day. Still to this day, they're convinced. No, they just, you're talks. like, I know he's a full throttle nitwit. He doesn't understand no. to not race the car and he's going to try like and keep everyone could. he has. Yeah. They basically, but I mean, they, they think that's what the stig would do. They think about it like days of thunder or something where you just, over rev it till it blows the engine which i mean the crown vic's not going to let you do that but that's that's what they're thinking that i like said hey blow it up blow it up yeah blow yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> i just like put it in neutral and revved it to the moon somewhere and blew it up yeah that was fun i remember it had no power at all so i couldn't pass anyone down the straightaway so i was just passing everyone on the outside the inside <laughs> everywhere yeah it was, that was it's good funny fun. i was i was thinking about top gear today what an amazing group of people we worked with though because it was and for that time it was the most I, time i spent with anybody was with 
the Top Gear people's on. And, and there were only a few people that made it through all six seasons. And they were complete family. I mean, we it was really weird when it ended to, to just stop seeing everybody. We did a couple of reunion dinners here and there. You weren't invited because nobody knew you. But it was, uh, <laughs> we did a couple of these things. And it was, you see uh, how I was treated? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just finding out things today. It's so funny. <laughs> you did show up to one thing. You showed up to X Games one time, but it was actually one of the producers wearing the suit. That's that was the genius of yeah, the I didn't suit. even know about that. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, but yeah, it was uh it was a special group that and it was a it, it was a there's so many it was really amazing that that show worked in the US for so long. It was in 90 plus countries or markets, so over hundred countries, and um did 72 episodes, some like 700 or 750 days of filming and wow. uh yeah, yeah it was run. it was a long long run for us i think and you also did um the the supercars exposed beforehand right or before that... yeah i had done tv for like five years or so before that but it was all like speed channel yeah the paul tracy one, like... one yep yeah there were supercars exposed and then that was by myself and then there was battle of the supercars which battle was with tracy before that was import tuners, I think there was that's uh, there was red. Um, oh God, I can't remember the names of, them, but that's where I met Ryan Center. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yep. And um, who was one of the pr first producers on on Top Gear? But it was uh, all those shows were really fun. They all started out of drifting, doing interviews for one of the drift producers um, for. They, it was G4 TV, which was like a video game network. I remember that. Yeah, yeah. Do you, yeah. Know, do you know who our pit reporter was? Tell me. I have told you before, but it was Olivia Munn. Oh, wow. Yep. Yeah. And went uh, on great things. Went on to great things. And then we, uh, they were like, hey, we got this show and you seem to do good interviews. Would you like to maybe be a driver host of the show? And I was like, sure. And it was called, it was on MagRack TV, which was free in hotel rooms it was right next to the porn so it would be like you can either watch a corvette do donuts in you know a church parking lot or you know lawrence of Arabia. but it was <laughs> like, uh, sorry i don't know how PG are, but, but it was uh, <laughs> the costumes were very similar actually very similar strange. yeah yeah which is strange lots and um, places yeah yes but um it was so the TV thing did run for a while. Top Gear, I think, was so busy that I really wasn't looking forward to doing another show right after Top Gear. And I haven't really done much TV since then. Yeah, I got done stunt stuff. Yeah. yeah, yeah, just stunt stuff and things yeah. like that. Yeah. Hey, and so and so during Top Gear, because we're we're get, we're getting there, we're making progress. I don't know if it feels like we are. It. That's good because I'm yeah six percent. Yeah, good. good. Plug that thing in, will you? Um, it's plugged in. I don't know what's up. <laughs> so, so the what the other thing that we did, I had two secret identities at the same time, and we were both. I was the backup, but we were both yellow drivers for a Hot Wheels stunt that was occurring while we did Top Gear, and that kind of, we kind of did that for what was it like six months or so. We did. Um, yes. We did, we did the uh, the world record jump for Hot Wheels, that ended up with you in the car 
just how many how many uh, views does that video have now on YouTube? It's like 80, right. 90 million, 100 million. It's crazy. There are probably four or five videos over 50 million from yeah. that. It's but incredible. I know it did 2 billion impressions in the first year. The next stunt did 2 billion in two weeks back when they used to use impressions as, you know, the, the matrix. But it's um, that that was so another parallel in our lives. Uh, your wife's Tupperware friend's husband became became uh, became my manager, Brian Gale. Is that how the connection was? Am no, I I, the, the Tupperware part threw me off. But basically, um, we, we we all grew up together. Like Brian and I went to high school together. Oh, that's right. In Virginia, so, and, right? and so, yeah, so I've, I've known Brian. He showed up and I showed up senior year at this Baptist school where Karen, my wife, uh, was going to school. And so that's how and he dated my wife first. And it's just normal high school stuff. <laughs> I know it sounds a little funny, but. But then he met his wife Mindy after Karen and I were dating, and I asked actually asked him for permission to date Karen. I'm like, is it okay? Because he was off at of college in West Virginia, and I'm like, can I? Yeah, you you don't really like her anymore, right? Well, <laughs> I've seen this like movie her. so many times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and somehow we're still Karen, friends. And, turns out and it yeah, wasn't we, okay. <laughs> yeah. Yes, it, and it, it wasn't Lawrence. So anyway, um, so. <laughs> Yeah, so that was he was a manager. He had he had talked to Hot Wheels. They'd come up with this thing. They were like, "Hey, they want to do a loop and a jump," and then they narrowed it down to a jump. And then it was like, I, you know, my my business model at that time was just say yes to everything, throw all ten balls in the air, and then see which ones come back. Um, which in motorsport is very common, but the um, you know the drawings were ridiculous. The scale was ridiculous. Uh, the concept was epic. The whole like toys for real. I'm literally looking right now because I have boxes to unpack of a box of the remote control version of the Hot Wheels truck. Have you seen that? I never got truck. one of those, Tanner. I just I just had the match okay. box. <laughs> no, no, this is like a little remote control truck. But anyway, the um, it's probably got a wire. It's fine. You don't want it anyway. But uh, it's I'm coming to your house and stealing. Uh, it eventually kept moving forward to the point where it actually happened. And, and I wasn't sure like if the engineering was going to be good. You never know. Cause I never worked with any of them. Right. So I was like, um, you know, I had a couple of requirements and one of those was that I needed, there needed to be another driver that went through all the training, did all the, the jumps and was ready to go. If I got sick or if it turned out that I, it was just, I didn't think it was going to work out. <laughs> Sorry, Paul. But exactly. the, uh, <laughs> he chose me. <laughs> His expendable friend. It's he's like, I can finally I get rid of that debt if I get rid of him. <laughs> yes. And it turned out I had a crush on Karen. And the uh, only yeah, way that the it was things work I'm finding out. out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so uh it was um yeah, so we did the stuff. I just wanted somebody, I think I didn't I didn't have any intention of backing out. But I wanted to be with somebody who wasn't just an off-road racer guy who was going to just say, wing it. It's going to work out fine. I wanted somebody to be there who's going to be analytical about it and possibly miss some of the data points that, you know, pick up some of the data points that I may have missed 
And so that's why I wanted you there because I knew you would analyze it from a scientific perspective and that would give us the best chance of actually making it happen safely. Um, it started, and I think that's how it happened. It did. We I came mean, up we, with. We the, talked a lot about that damn truck. Like, oh yeah, and the ramp, right. and oh my god, yeah, it was it was we incredible. If you haven't system. seen that video, go watch it. It's it's an incredible jump, and um, it was you know it's a world record, and the thing that I think we both realized as we were progressing, we started in El Toro, which is yeah where the Top Gear track also was. Um, in Southern California, and we started, actually, we started in the dirt in the desert, and then we moved El Toro to the real ramp. But but it was all for us, just like we learned as we went, and yeah, there was engineering and projected speeds, and the engineering turned out to be pretty sound. It just turned out that the truck was a bit of a problem, um, and the space that we were going to do it in in Indy really wasn't enough, so it made the ramp too steep to get the distance that we needed, which tended to break the truck a lot. And, um, you know, and it was just all these things that compounded from that. And I, I made that point very early on when you and I just started talking on this podcast where where you started talking about the sky swing and all of that, where I kind of it kind of clicked in me that that you you kind of been through this process a little bit before with Bill. And um, and I hadn't I hadn't ever approached something like a world record, whether it's a truck or anything else and jumping distance. And for me, it was just like, man, there is a lot of unknown in all of this. <laughs> yeah. And um, and you were just, you were amazing. And I, I just, and I, I had a huge amount of respect that I, I already had had for you and all the things that we had done together all the way up through Top Gear. But watching you and your grace under pressure, I, I still remember like they winched us up a hundred feet uh, on this thing backwards. And I remember Tanner texting on his phone while he was hanging from the cable and uh they'd be like and he'd be on his phone just you know because again like you like you were saying it was a very very busy time so you had 10 irons and 10 fires and eight of them were going at any given moment and and uh, so you were constantly communicating trying to get this shoot set up or whatever it happened to be and um and so you would like they'd go okay tanner fire the truck and you'd be on your phone and you'd be like okay and you would just like tuck your phone away wherever you were putting it in your suit so it wouldn't fly out during the jump, right? <laughs> and um, and you were like suddenly you were 100% present. Like it was amazing for, I don't know if I ever talked to you about this, but specifically, so specifically, but just to watch you go into game, you know, visor down mode, full focus, full concentration, and you would just nail the jump every damn time and then the jump was over and the phone would come out again and you were just off in the and and we and like i said we but there were moments where we had to do debriefs and you were 100 percent present there but that was one of the things to me like it cemented you know when i tell people tanner earned his spot in motorsports uh in this in the stunt world he's he has not been gifted any of this like he did it on ability that was one of those cornerstone moments or foundational moments where i I realized sort of what you brought to the game and why people trusted you to do crazy things like break break world records in trucks. It was cool. I appreciate that. It was cool to watch yeah, there, be a part of. And you were, you were so far beyond me in that. You were so far beyond me. Like I think as far as like you know, us bantering back and forth and developing the truck, I was there, but 
I, I couldn't, that, that thing, I mean, to put it, put it bluntly, that, that stunt scared me. Um, and, and so I always thought about like that truck breaking on the damn ramp, like it did. And like the one time where it broke the motor mount with me and they made that whole video out of it and they made up what happened, but basically I lifted out of the throttle because I felt the motor mounts, like the, the transmission smash into the, whatever yeah. it hit and made a hellacious noise. And I got out of the throttle on the ramp, which you can never do. <laughs> you can't do because the minimum speed is the minimum speed. And I went off the ramp, you know, below it and barely made the 275 gap, barely made it and landed on the nose. There's a great video on YouTube of that where the truck's white. That's me. Oh, uh, and, and the way it arced up the side of the ramp and the suspension just absorbed it. Yeah. And I was, wa I was watching it and I was like, no, no, no. And I was like, oh, okay, good. He's good. And then. There's a camera guy. No, no, no. And yeah. Drift right by him. It's a, like, it's okay, a cool video. <laughs> the camera guy stayed with the camera, got yeah. the shot. He and uh, I had a big hug afterwards. And I went, why'd you stay? And he was like, because it was amazing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> camera guy. Yeah, you're doing that on purpose. Yeah. Yeah. He was like, that was the best. As the thing went off the side of the ramp, it didn't drive off the ramp, it went off the side of the ramp. And I, I thought it was going to, I always tell everyone, I thought it was going to roll three times and it never did. It was a big drop and it big just dropped. catwalked its way right off that thing. Yeah, and I went full throttle so it yeah. didn't roll. I just lit it up. <laughs> I just light it up. That was a big It was, yeah, there's, you know, there's something about, you talk about a zone. There's something about it. <clears throat> maybe our brains are lazy in that sometimes some people I think need to be in you have a lot at stake in order to focus that's me you know sure. are you late to the airport because you need the anxiety to build up so much before you leave that it forces you to get out the door or i don't know there's a lot of different analogies but flying is like that for me you know flying i i i, I love the fact that uh like the, you know a four-hour flight when i fly myself doesn't seem that long because you've got to be paying attention and heads up there's a lot at stake yeah um uh stunts and things like that you know there's there's it, it you know maybe call it maybe passiveness or, or laziness i don't know but you're forced to be in the zone because of what's at stake yeah so uh you know it sure would be nice to have the mental discipline and maybe it's developed over the years um but to you know just uh, make yourself uh, motivated to do anything that you don't want to do yeah. but um I'm, I'm not like that like i said the room behind me is a gym i've seen it twice i've been here for three months then the uh, so yeah. I'm, I'm just it's not quite that bad but it's there is something about having everything at stake it's that the um, it's the best and the worst at the same time and but it makes you the happiest when it's when 100%. it's done yeah um 100%. you, you, you yeah, you have something to we're, say. We're, we're going to kind of talk about this more and more as we talk about driving like part two, but you're you're nudging into the subject matter um, and it, it's absolutely right on point. Like that's exactly what it's all about. And, and I, I want to kind of really talk about that. Um, but let's let's keep going a little bit. So we did the jump. You broke the world record. Um, we did it in a crazy space where we shouldn't have been able to do it. There wasn't the run up that was needed. There wasn't the flat ramp that the guys in the desert that do these world record jumps usually do. And um, it was kind of insane engineering and, and um, very much at the limit of what could be done. 
and that that makes me all that much prouder of what what you did that day at Indy with thank God that 13 mile an hour tailwind <laughs> that, that really made the difference because I heard that truck misfiring when it came down and I knew it wasn't running on all yeah, that's what a lot of people don't realize that it, it went the truck got loaded up onto the door 100 foot door yeah and it was on Saturday right Saturday and, and on Sunday it was 20 degrees warmer it was a carbureted truck they couldn't rejet it without we weren't able to test it so they said okay you'll be down 190 horsepower but it should still get to the speed right should and it didn't get and to the speed barely when it had all the horsepower it, like, i know it barely made it get a little adjustment digits. on the lip and that was it yeah when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It had to be triple digits to clear the gap, and um, the gap was 220 feet, and then the world record was 300 feet, which we had broken, I don't know, how many, five or ten times yeah, in practice. Times, yeah. But, um, yeah, then that, that, and so I left the ramp with a bit too much throttle. The goal was 60%, remember, and I left 60, with 88.5% which stuck the nose in the air. So I went to the brakes and had to go completely to the brakes to pitch the nose down. And that stalled the engine, which was a side rotation. So now it started this side angle, which in the truck didn't feel like anything, but then it just kind of kept going over Tom four seconds. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it just kept going and going until, I don't know if you ever saw slow motion videos and stuff, but the wheels went straight into the wood ramp. The tires just flexed out of the way and the wheels would go straight into the ramp. And um, the suspension was incredible at that point, right? I mean, it just soaked up the landing no yeah. matter how crooked it was. You snapped a rib, I think, on yeah, one I of did. those sides. Yeah. Um, but I had a rib protector in, so thank you. And that. uh, Yeah, that's what I'm there yeah. for, buddy. <laughs> yeah. And it ended up working out. Yeah. But it, it was, uh, it, it had all the, I mean... It was scary because they had rent, you know, on the Indy 500 weekend, they did it at the gentlemen start your engines. All the drivers were allowed with the team owners to come over in golf carts and watch. They, they awesome. drove right up the brick across the brickyard to come watch um, 250 rooms or something rented out in right in the circle in Indianapolis for Mattel. So you couldn't just be like, mm, it's too windy. You know, we're not going to yeah, do no, it. It was happening. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. That's the point where everybody you realize during all the testing where 12 miles an hour seems, oh, that's in the range, barely, maybe one mile an hour, we probably would call off the practice for today, right? But that's when you realize all that was fluff. On the event day, you're going to, you the know, investment they had made. Evil, you're going to evil Knievel that thing regardless. That's just, <laughs> or I you know, what you didn't know. You know, or somebody was going to. Somebody yeah. was going. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. Yeah, you're right. It, with all that power, I I didn't know I that you could hear it missing. I heard just, it missing, and I was just like, "Oh my god!" And and but then I watched it go off the ramp, and again it carried, and it was the tailwind because El Toro always had a cross headwind, 
Yes. So we had always jumped it with a cross headwind and we'd sort of come up with our with our distances and speeds based on always having that wind. And I remember people saying, at Indy, we'll have a tailwind. And we we're like, okay, that's awesome. How did they know that? That's incredible. Well, just because it was the prevailing wind that time of year, that morning, that's what you'd normally get. So odds are we'd have a tailwind. And, and of course, you jump further that day with a misfiring engine than we had ever jumped with a healthy engine at El Toro. Yep. Yeah, we'd beaten our own record by a good amount. Ways. Yeah. yeah. So that, that was amazing. And again, just a, a moment where I got to see got to see you and work with you. And, and, you know, thanks again so much for having me on that. It was so much fun to be a part of, besides the fact that it kind of scared the hell out of me. But it was good. I mean, like I said, I learned a lot from from all of that. And, and now I, I remember I did like a, you know, we started jumping, I think it was like in spring. And so that winter I was in the terrain park skiing, doing the biggest gap jumps just getting used to just doing big jumps, you know, cause I wasn't ever really like a big jumper, but I was like, let's see if I can go hundred feet on skis, which I did like a lot, you know, to get comfortable. And, uh, and that, that actually kind of helped, but it was, that was a hell of an experience. It was a hell of an experience. That was a, that was a very unique, big, big stunt. I just don't know. <clears throat> yeah. That, that, that was a great experience. It really and was. then you did the double, the double loop with uh, Greg Tracy. Yes, that one was different in that you couldn't start small and get bigger like we could with the jump. Uh, we got a remote control car guy to outfit a Mitsubishi. We were driving Mitsubishi Evos, by the way, since you yeah. mentioned pre-Evo or post-Evo, yeah. which we did buy Evos from the same dealer about the same, same dealer. Time. I got number one, you got number two. <laughs> yep. And uh, my Evo had made through its life, it went in on to be a race car, a drift car a camera car, and then one of the Hot Wheels loop cars. Which is amazing. It's amazing. Um, but they, they got the one car, they hooked up remote control, like controls to it to get a guy to go through because they said 52 and a half miles an hour. Greg and I said, bullshit. That just doesn't sound right. Can we just see it once? They're like, yeah, sure, no problem. So this thing goes up, falls out of the sky, <laughs> tires bouncing everywhere, just blows the doors off of it from six stories upside down, basically dropped on its roof. Right. And uh, so then they're like, oh, well, we're going to get a net. So they got this net they put on the top of the ramp. They 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 put uh, uh, something heavy up there. I don't even think it was a car. It was just something heavy. They let it go. It bounced once. All the hooks went punk, 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 punk off the net. And then everything did <laughs> crashing down. So Greg and I are just like, oh, Jesus. And so exactly. I had one of those little... Traxxas RC cars. That was the first thing to go through the loop, and it would do sixty. And I swear, we watched that go through the loop, and then everybody, all the marketing people, and everybody looked at me like, "Okay, who's first? You know, and that was, it was like, "Well, we never did prove anything, but Greg's first." <laughs> and, yeah. Rock paper we, scissors. We did. We did a rock paper scissors, and he, I, I forget who won or lost, but it was. If you did the first loop, you got to go, you got to win the race on the day because it was two cars that went okay. into one lane. Anyway, long story short, we did it three times. Something broke about the car every single time, and uh, including my front suspension one time, which got my head. It's 6.8 G. I was gonna, just going to say. It was 6.8. We ended up in airplanes, got G tested and everything. Um, 6.8 G's and then at one point my bumper hit the front 
which put me against my Hans straps and I couldn't pick my head up and I, I until I got to the top. And so I had to do like the little turn while I was oh looking at my lap. While upside it was, down. It was it, upside down. It was horrible. We put paint on the top so that when you were upside down, you could take the hand lock off the throttle. Um, that was there in case your foot, you know, slipped off the pedal. And then you could slow down a bit so you didn't get another 6.8 Gs at the bottom. Anyway, we broke it every time. So we're like, let's just pack it up. We'll just do it on the day. It makes it. We just, you know, just break don't keep breaking stuff. Yeah. And um, and we did it and we broke stuff and it we had never even tested the jump. Uh, not a single time. We were just like, well, whatever. If we get through the loop, the jump's no problem. <laughs> we'll, and we'll cross that bridge if it were there. <laughs> Greg, he shoots his damper and his spring goes shooting off. I right remember that. Me. Yeah. My intake hose had come off, so I had no boost. So I was full throttle coming down the loop. And it was like, making, making 100 horsepower, maybe. Or barely cleared the ramp. I think I left rubber on the leading edge of the landing ramp. But um, yeah, we did it and it was done. Yeah. <laughs> and I was racing that weekend also with, uh, you know, in the rallycross event. So that was kind of my focus. But it was, uh, it was like a box checked and it was, um, that one was scary and, and just a relief. It wasn't it wasn't the great process that we had with the jump right where um you know and even with greg when we were there you know because we're asking a lot of money to do these things right and so you did get paid right yeah no just kidding but <laughs> <laughs> no we, we we were asking money to do these things so when we did the loop greg's like hey there can be and he's a very experienced stunt guy he's like there could be a tendency to kind of you know, downplay a little bit of what's going on here. Um, just because, you know, we're just sitting in the car and we're going to get used to it and it's not going to seem like a big deal, but just remember it's a big deal. So it's okay to build up the danger every single time. It's just fine. You know, cause and he was right. You don't want to come off the thing and be like, Oh, that one seemed better. Yeah. it was pretty good. Are you guys hungry? You know, you want to, you want to like, be like okay that was awesome great thank you guys so much oh yeah this was you know you want to be you want to make sure that everybody it takes hits the ground seriously. every time <laughs> yeah. every time and it's not just to make a show of it it's not a full evil evil thing it's just it keeps everybody on point it keeps everybody who touches the car billy hammond you know he's yeah. building the cars it keeps everybody serious That's about cool. it instead of getting complacent and when you do those stunts it's it's those kinds of balances with the human factor that you you don't even think about how easy it is for us to get complacent in doing something stupid complicated and scary and uh and so that was nice that was nice uh, to get that kind of perspective on it i strangely i ended up getting some credibility like in the stunt world and in the off-road racing world for that jump and for those loops, but um, even though they don't really translate much to stunts that you do in the movies, but I still get to do uh, a couple movies a year if I'm lucky. And I still love working stunts in movies because in those you are, you're kind of telling a story and you get to crash on purpose, which is a unique thing um, in, in our line of work, but you kind of tell you're, you're acting with a car or driving driving with a car in within a story is actually really fun and i know you're a photographer 
Um, I like photography. I don't have the skills that you do, but I like uh, imagining what things look like through the eye of, yeah. of, of a camera. And so I like driving to the lens for sure. Yeah, it's really cool. And quick, quickly rattle off, like you've done a bunch of cool movies. What are what are sort of the highlights of the movies you've got to do some driving in? Um, I mean, my first one was Dukes of Hazard uh, with <laughs> Jessica Simpson. So I could we could just stop right there. I was a super fit, super fit Jessica Simpson at the rap party. She thought I was Topher Grace for just a fleeting moment. Went to give me a hug and got close enough to realize I wasn't Topher Grace. And then I think I, I don't even know what happened after that. I just sort of blacked out. Um, the uh, Simpson going back into the bushes. <laughs> exactly. Uh, do, some of the fun ones. I mean, there've been a lot of ones in the middle, in between. But some of the fun ones have been Dukes. That was a fun one. And then, and I did get to drive the General Lee for the first part of the movie. Reese Millen did most of the General Lee, and then I was the bad guy. Um, we were good guy, bad guy again in. Uh, Tokyo Drift, the third Fast and Furious movie. Um, in that one, I got the sweet gig, I think, as the bad guy, uh, again, because he had the sweet car. He could always drift, like, from the beginning. The good guy had to learn to drift along the way, and that was really hard for Reese to, um, you know, to fake it safely. And then, uh, but I saw, so I, I, that was a lot of drive. That was 60 nights, and we did a lot of cool setups for that. Um, some of the Bourne movies, some a little bit more in other Fast and Furious movies. Um, the uh, in the last couple of years, there's been, I don't know, there's probably been twenty different different movies, um, maybe a little bit more. But in the last couple of years, I did John Wick four, which was super fun. Um, Ford versus Ferrari, and, uh, but John Wick, I actually trained Keanu to do the driving, so I didn't even get to drive. Okay. I, I did. I did some of the gags once on film. I spent four months there setting up shots. And I actually got to do kind of more coordinating than than driving, which was really fun and kind of a first for me oh, in, in cool. a yeah. big scale movie like that. Um, training Keanu was great. He was great to work with. He takes all of his training very seriously and he was very good. Um, and then... And then he could do it all himself. And he did it better than I could in that the storytelling side of it, like the way the director would describe it is we like, okay, if Tanner comes through there and slides and then goes to this mark and then cuts through here and is out of the shot, it's like, that looks like Tom Cruise. You know, that's, that's like a Tom Cruise thing where you, you, you hit the ground and then you get up running, you know, but John Wick is tired. He's tired. And you just look at Keanu. I mean, he's like, did the matrix and then went straight into the fourth John wick where he's just fighting 12 hours overnight, every night, 12 hours, five nights a week. He's tired. So when he falls, he like, is like gruff about it. He's like, Oh, he takes a minute, gets himself up again. And then he starts running again. And that's how his driving was too. His driving, he'd throw it in and then just kind of barely save it almost miss this thing and hit that thing and then and then take off and it was very, very john wick so it was it was interesting to see that in that yeah, instance cool. it was back is better the acting part of driving <laughs> yeah yeah <clears throat> yeah yeah that's that's interesting it it, that's, t that's tough for us 
I remember even like doubling yeah. Jeremy James or Richard doing Grand Tour or Top Gear UK stuff. And it was yeah. the same thing where you had to not drive like you would do it, but drive like they would do it, which was, you know, it, it's challenging. You're get, you get used to trying, trying, doing everything as well as you can. And now you're being asked to do something poorly as well as you can <laughs> kind of thing. I know. I was talking to somebody, I think it was somebody, Matt Johnson, who we both work with sometimes. Yeah. I was talking to him and he was doubling somebody in one of those. It was it was either for the UK Top Gear, could have been for another US show. It was probably for a US show. Yeah. And and I was like, just remember, I mean, you're doubling somebody who's not a driver. And if you <clears throat> You know, and in, in on the selfish side, if you make the world believe that this person can do all the stuff you can do, then what's the point of you? Yeah. You know, you, you're a driver. So if they're if they're there to present or act or whatever, that's their main thing. Um, and, you know, in, in a world, hopefully you can make something safe enough that they can be realistic about. Yeah. the driving yeah. and be passionate about it and laugh about it and they did that on top gear quite a lot yeah. um it, where they would spin out and they would show the interior shot of jeremy just hanging on for life yeah and, and they, they kept they kept it in reality in the u.s sometimes we just give up on the reality and, and you have a guy looking the wrong direction holding the steering wheel with his pinkies and his thumbs and then on the outside doing this monster hundred beautiful yeah formula yeah. quality drift happening yeah exactly and it's like eh, yeah yeah so that, uh, that's why has... rich rutherford... go ahead go ahead that's well it. i was gonna say that's why rich rutherford established the slide snobs slide snobs Do you remember that oh yeah 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 he and i he and yeah, i kind of point. did that you, you, you two did okay yeah, yeah it was before my time that it was established i remember that, that was in vipers and uh, it, was, it was it was awesome though because it was like uh it basically judged movies driving on realism and you know how good the slide was and how good the driving was and stuff i love that i still do it to this day i mean obviously we all do but of course <laughs> you can't help yourself so, so all the stunt stuff, and that's pretty cool that you got to do some coordinator things as well, which is again sort of next level, and um, and it kind of makes sense. That's the direction that you'd go. Uh, all that kind of driving, and now of course, like your latest, your latest gig is is pretty wild as well, where where you're dri a driver for McLaren. Like you know, let's be real here. Like McLaren, as in McLaren, the Formula One team, the car manufacturer. Um, the IndyCar team, all of that, and you're driving in this series called Extreme E, which is kind of this um, green motorsports electric car buggy in incredible locations um, and uh, racing against incredible drivers, as I mentioned earlier. Um, some of, you know, so just they sort of cherry pick the best of the best for that series. And you have a, a male driver and a female driver and um and you're racing head to head on these desert courses what's that been like um you know i had an opportunity to to drive it the first year with andretti a possibility to drive it the first year and um the conversation had happened at least and and I, and and i really wasn't 
I didn't understand the series. And then in talking to people at Volkswagen and stuff, is they they kind of pushed me away from doing it, saying they're really not. It's not really green, you know. It's still racing, and they're calling themselves green and this and that. And the trucks definitely did not look sorted out. They're bouncing and flipping and rolling everywhere. And and then when Zach called, it's kind of like. I mean, he had gotten my information from Michael because I raced for Michael on Andretti for a long time with the Volkswagen program. Um, I, I had learned a bit more at that point and got involved a lot of because of its McLaren and all the off tracks you get to do. I've gotten to drive Senna Formula One cars, a uh, couple different ones, a couple of post cars in the mid 80s. <laughs> thousand horsepower thousand pound 1.5 liter formula one cars i mean just these ridiculous machines that mclaren just sort of has loaded up and they just fire out to these tracks to these heritage events and this year being the 60th anniversary of mclaren racing they're doing lots of them did goodwood this year and one and you know some really fun stuff but with extreme e the cars are getting more sorted now that they're on a fox suspension and um and with teams like mclaren involved that are helping to really get the chassis sorted out but now that i'm in it and in the second year of it it's really a great thing it really is and um you know i'm always going to have some sort of fire breathing something in the garage just like all of us are that's just who that's the generation we're from but um and it's not a series that claims to be saving the planet but what i get out of it that is a good move is it is a roadmap to motorsport on how it can become future proof mm -hmm. because whether you like it or not we're at an impasse with racing now as we know it um raising money the way that i did for racing uh through all the things we just talked about is going away when when you have a sponsor especially a manufacturer or a big sponsor a big company they have always content creation or motorsport. We have $5 million to spend on one of these two, which is it going to be? It's always going to be content creation because they can't lose. They can tell their story. More people will watch it. They can measure how many people watch it more accurately. So the money is, is going away from spending on motorsport. And they have this, they can always use this um, scapegoat of, green factor or responsibility factor for not contributing more to you know carbon emissions and and stuff so what extreme e does is it races but then it also sheds light on some environmental issues and you know we'll go out there we'll plant grass we're not we're not there to make a difference in that way we're just there to talk about what the issue is there but the other fascinating thing that it does, well, first of all, by doing both of those things, the big sponsors come there. They spend sustainability money. They spend green money. Um, the other thing they do, which I really like, is they force the paddocks have to be a certain size. They're all inflatable. They all have to pack to a certain size and be able to transport in a certain size container. The um, number of people you can bring is limited. Everybody has to bring their own cutlery and plates there aren't any plastic or disposable cups or anything on site and so those kinds of little things not the big we're going to save greenland but those kinds of little things now are starting to go to other motorsports 
you're seeing Formula E, even Formula One, people carrying their own cutlery. And, and those are the things that are going to keep motorsport alive. And, uh, you know, we all benefit from the hundred years of motorsport that have happened. Seatbelts, disc brakes, fuel injection, you name it, whatever we take for granted, that came from racing. That kind of innovation so far with electric cars has basically stopped. I mean, since, you know, the, the electric car five years had its range for certain weight battery, the innovation really hasn't gone anywhere from there. You know, automated driving and things like that will innovate, but the performance and reliability and even some of the safety isn't going to progress fast without racing. And so we need these things and these series like Extreme E to keep poking at the sustainability side in order to future-proof motorsport and keep big money spenders like manufacturers in the game. Because once they're completely out of the game, cars just don't get any better. They're just going to have more features, but they're not going to progress on a performance and reliability way that we you know, have seen over the last hundred years. There's my spiel. I was up on a soapbox there. I'll go ahead and get back down now. Oh, peace. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you, you've changed. Where's that kid from, uh, you know, from the sushi restaurant in the first BMW events? <laughs> but that's kind of cool. I have no though. doubt. I have no doubt. I'll still jump a Crown Vic with you laying in the back. I have no doubt. I, I have just, yeah. no I, doubt. No <laughs> doubt. Well, I think this but it, is probably a pretty good place to to sort of call it good on learning about you and all the things you've done. I mean, you're the arc of your life and what you've achieved and accomplished. And again, with <laughs> as normal, like no real planning, um, just opportunities right. and, and uh, sensing opportunity and just trying, like you said, you know, throwing 10 things against the wall and uh, and and kind of you, you've eked out and grown this amazing uh, amazing career, quite frankly. And, uh, and again, I think a lot of it is down to your own curiosity, your own tenacity. Um, you know, you're a very smart guy. I hate admitting that, but it's true. Um, and you know, all the, all the things that kind of make you, you, and it's been, it's been really fun, um, to be a little part of that and be a friend of yours for, for quite a bit of it. And what I want to do now that we kind of understand what makes you tick, um, is I want to kind of shift gears a little bit for the for the next bit of this and uh, and talk a little bit more on the context of like optimum drive, which again you know you read and you wrote the forward to and all of that, and let's talk about I want to talk about your method, sort of the, the psychology of it, how you approach it, what you think is important, um, all of that. I think that's really interesting to people that are getting into motorsports getting into stunt driving, whatever the heck, getting into off-road driving, it doesn't matter. Um, I, I think you've got a, an amazing amount of knowledge in there. I know that from having conversations with you. So I think it'd be worth revisiting all of that and having a little bit of time to talk about that. So I want to thank you um, very much yeah, for, for going through all of this and, and sharing a lot with me. Uh, again, I've known you a long time and I learned a lot from, from this and Again, what makes you tick and what makes you the success that you are. And, um, and I think it's all well-earned and well-deserved. So thanks for watching. We're going to continue this conversation with another full episode with Tanner Faust. There was just so much to unpack about how he got where he was and what makes him the driver that he is. So make sure you come back and uh, get to see the finish of this story.
You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early, so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts, so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.